Alrighty, Chevra. Thank you so much to everybody who's joining here live in person here in Hendon in London, Yerakodesh. Why not? And to everybody here who's joining us on the Zoom, on Facebook Live, it's such a privilege. It's such a schus that we get to sit together and delve into the depths of Shabbos Kodesh. Before we begin the actual shir, I just want to mention that the shir is dedicated Le'ilu Nishmas Rabbi Yosef Rafal ben Chaim, Allah Shalom, a very precious, sweet, amazing soul that was unfortunately nifter earlier today. Uh, a friend of a lot of the Chaveirim um, in Yerushalayim and in, in Farakaway and a friend to Klal Yisrael. And so Bezer Hashem, the learning here should be a schus li'ilu and his neshama also should be a schus for all of us as well to be melet yosher on all of those that are mavakshe emes like he was, the siyata deshmaya. Okay, so let's try, if we have the sources, try to maybe sit next to somebody who doesn't so we can all share along because there aren't that many. Um, amazing, amazing. Okay. And let's, let's begin. So, as we know, generally speaking, this series is on the Panemius of Shabbos. We're trying to get into the soul of Shabbos. All of us, Baruch Hashem, are learning, have learned, will learn the halachos of Shabbos, which are about how to keep Shabbos and what to do and when to do it and where to do it or where not to do it. But the why of Shabbos, like the overarching and broader picture with regard to what Shabbos is in the first place, what we're supposed to feel on Shabbos, what the halachos of Shabbos intend to foster, that's something that for some of us, for many of us, for myself certainly, but for some of us didn't seem to get into the education, you know, in yeshiva and maybe even post. And so sometimes we feel as if when we're in um, the experience of Shabbos, we feel that there could be a little bit more depth, there could be a little bit more feeling, a little bit more connectivity. And that's uh, what we're trying to accomplish here let me just close the WhatsApp. Okay. So, today, we're going to begin a new segment in this series focusing on Kabbalah Shabbos. So, so far we've had a number of shiurim and they're all on YouTube for those that are just joining us now, whether on Zoom or here in person. The first couple of shiurim were on general concepts of Shabbos, just generally speaking. We viewed Shabbos through the prism of the Avos, we viewed Shabbos through many different perspectives and different ways of approaching Shabbos, of understanding Shabbos. And then we had three shiurim on Hadlakas Neiro Shabbos, lighting Shabbos candles. And now we begin a new segment, which is focusing on Kabbalah Shabbos. And Be'ezus Hashem, the first two or three shiurim will be, generally speaking, what is this thing, Kabbalah Shabbos? What are some of the elements of Kabbalah Shabbos that we should try to connect with and begin to focus deeply on as we will be Ezra Hashem in this year? And then we're going to start, hopefully, to go into the actual content of Kabbalah Shabbos. Why these Kapitlach Tehillim? Why do we choose to say these particular aspects of, um, of Tehillim? And, of course, Lechadodi, which we'll get into very deeply and analyze each stanza by stanza. It's very important because it's beautiful to sing it, but how much more so for Abel to connect to the meaning of it, that's a whole different world. A whole different world, mamish. So that's the, uh, that's the ultimate goal. All with the help of Hashem, so let's take a look at the first source over here. It's a source from the Sefer base Aaron, which records the teachings of the Karliner Tzadikim, and this is from Aaron Hagadol of Karlin, a Talmud of the Magad of Mizrich. And he says over here an interesting thing just to start us off. Shamati Oimrim. He says, I've heard it said, Vashem Abashemtav, in the name of the Bashemtav Akadosh, in the name of the Holy Master, 
The Baal Shem, the master of the good name, the founder of Chasidus, Chusia Gunaleinu, may his merit protect us, Va'al Kol Yisrael and all of Israel. Asher Pamachas, one time it was said that Kibal Shabbos Al Hasada, which we're going to learn a lot about now, he went out into the field like the Mikubalim would, and like the early Tzaddikim, the Amiraim, as we're going to see in the Gemara, they would go out to the field to be Mikabal Shabbos, to bring Shabbos in. And there were sheep over there, Rayim, there were sheep that were grazing al Sada in this particular field. And when the Baal started to do his avoidas and to sing and to dance and who knows what he was doing over there as Yichudim of Kabbalah Shabbos with all the Kavanas of the Ari and also the simple joy of walking into this time, this day of faith, this day of clarity, this day of silence, of stillness, of being, which we spoke a little bit about last week. On that moment, an amazing thing, all of these sheep lifted up their front two legs. They stood up on their hind legs, up in the air. They stood just on their back legs, like human beings. Kamidas ish. I was like a person stands. All the sheep were standing up like this. A whole flock of sheep just stood up. And the tzaddikim explained why this happened, what this was. Because the Baal Shem Tev, when the Baal Shem Tev is bringing Shabbos in, what's happening on Shabbos? The whole world, as we're going to learn, is becoming elevated, infused with a tremendous degree of holiness, a tr- tremendous degree of another worldly level of spirit. And if so, everything gets connected back as we're going to learn about Ezra Hashem in next week's year, which is really going to be part B of this part A. But as Hashem focusing on the Ava and the Yira of Shabbos as it relates to Kabbalah Shabbos or the joy or awe. And so this shear is on the joy, on the Simcha of it. Next week will be a little bit on the Yira. Everything gets connected to its Makari Harishan, to what it is essentially, to where it's rooted in the spiritual realms above. As I'm gam so all the creations also Whoever was around in the vicinity of the Baal Shem Tev, Hagam Shayim Das. They they're not people, and they had no idea what was going on consciously of this flock of sheep. still because that little bit of life force was elevated to its original state to a higher level of consciousness. They reacted by standing up on their on their hind legs. They lifted them and it's brought the same thing in other Sfarim where it elaborates and it says that they began to call out. They began to all like scream out in prayer to Hashem along with the Baal Shem Tev. You can imagine what a Kabbalah Shabbos that must have been. Right, but that's what it means. The Baal Shem Tev goes into Shabbos not just on a conceptual, theoretical level. Something's happening to existence on Shabbos. It's a different world. It's not the same world. It's a different experience of reality to those that are awake to it. And that's what this incredible Chabura of Mavakshi Hashem that are looking not just to do the right thing, but want to live, live Yiddishkeit with vitality, vibrance, like a spiritual journey, which Yiddishkeit ultimately is. Be'ezus Hashem, this is what we're connecting with. Ashrenu. Ashrenu. Let's take a look at 
the second source before we get into the meat and potatoes of this particular shear, and I hope that we'll be able to go through it in a timely fashion. Obviously, there's a lot of sources. It's a little bit of a kaleidoscope, but we're going to try Bisiyat Adishmai to get through it and hopefully to have it make at least a modicum of sense if we're meriting a miracle. Bisiyat Adishmai. So here, let's take a look at another introductory source from the Alum Latrufra from Rabbi Nassan of Breslev. In a collection of his writings that's entitled Alum Latrufa, which means healing letters, Largely, he wrote these letters to his son, Rabbi Yitzchak. And these letters are not just read, they're not just like literature, they're incredible encapsulations of Rabbi Nassim's worldview and his perspective. Largely, he's giving chizik. He's encouraging his son who went through a lot of challenges in his life, and his marriage, and in his livelihood, and in his Yiddishkeit, on his level, his madrega. This particular son is buried in the Beis HaKvaris in Svas, right next to the Beis Yosef. If you ever look around in the vicinity of where the Beis Yosef is buried, there's the Beis Yosef. Underneath is Rabbi Shimon Hamashares, who is Rabbi Nachman's Gabai. Behind the Beis Yosef is the Arizal and the Ramak. And then right to the left of the Beis Yosef is this son of Rabbi Nassim, Rabbi Yitzchak, who he wrote these letters to in Alam Lutrufa. So here he writes a letter. Take a look at the source sheet where it begins with the bracket. And to anybody who's joining us on Zoom, if you'll take a look at the chat, you'll see the source sheets there that you can download if you don't have them already to follow along. Says Reb Nassim to his son, he's writing this on an Erev Shabbos, Ashmar Saboiker Yom Vav, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, early, early in the morning in bitter cold Ukraine, even colder than London. If you can imagine such a thing, right? Even colder. See, he says, He says, How distant we are from Shabbos, each of us knows uniquely. Which itself is like a, chid, is like a novel thing for a Jew to say. Like, what, is it, what does it mean you're distant from Shabbos? Like all of us, presumably, are as distant or as close as the next Jew to Shabbos, depending on how many days there are to Shabbos. Sunday, we're pretty far from Shabbos. Monday, we get closer. Tuesday, we get closer, and so on. What does it mean to be distant from Shabbos? But the question is, how do we view Shabbos? If Shabbos is just a list of things to do, and a very long list of things that we're not allowed to do, so then there's not much distance or closeness, because Shabbos isn't necessarily a personality that we have to get to know that we have to become familiar with. The goal is to be mekariv ourselves to Shabbos, right? Kiriv, mamish, kiriv kriven. To get to know Shabbos intimately, to build a relationship with Shabbos, that just like a person who's dating, right? From date to date, you can't wait, and you're looking forward. What do you think Chazal meant when they said, You're supposed to begin already to count the days down to Shabbos from Sunday because you have a relationship with this day, because you love this day, because you can't live without thinking about this day for even a day. That's what it means to be close to Shabbos. Says Rav Nassim, all of us know our distance from this kind of experience on Rav Nassim's level. Each and every Jew, from that perspective of that inner good point that each of us have, that inner point of holiness and purity and innocence and desire and goodwill that hasn't been tainted, that each and every one of us have inside, in this degree, he's drawing the holiness of Shabbos upon him or herself, each and every Jew. But even so, we need to prepare for Shabbos, which is exactly what we're doing. Like Chazal say, what's the primary preparation for Shabbos? 
Hu haratzon is a conscious desire. Lizkar to remember bipshitos as Hashabbos bechol yom v'yom every day to remember this thing called Shabbos. That Shabbos is coming. Ulekayim michad v'Shabbos and already from Sunday to be mekayim l'shivtecha k'mayshikasov zachar as yom Hashabbos lekatshay like we mentioned zachrei hu meecha b'Shabbos. Begin already to remember Shabbos from Sunday. What does it mean to remember Shabbos? You, you have a relationship with Shabbos. You look forward to Shabbos. You long for Shabbos. You're a Shabbistic Jew. With everything that Shabbos encapsulates, I can't live in a regular, mundane, week-to-week experience, day-to-day experience. I need an infusion of Shabbos. And not just because it's a day off, because it's a day on, because it's a day in. And without a dose of emunah, and without a dose of stopping, and without a dose of family, and without a dose of depth, we can't carry on. We're close to Shabbos. We count down the days to Shabbos. Mikol Shekane, on the second side of the page, Mikol Shekane, Mikol Shekane, certainly, when we get closer and closer to Shabbos, from Thursday already, which is of course today, who hasn't thought about Shabbos today, we're preparing, we're running errands, the wives are cooking, we're busy setting up and guests and and everybody's running. Everybody's buying flour and meat. He says, who can imagine? Who can grasp? With any kind of tiny little spark in our Jewish heart, what our yearning for Shabbos is accomplishing in all the worlds, even if we consider Shabbos, again, just on the most basic level, which is a lot of us, and certainly myself, unfortunately, much of the time, it's just a day off, even so. You're a Shabbistic Jew. You're preparing for Shabbos on the most basic level. Allah has kama v'kama, certainly what we're doing now, which is the highest form of preparing for Shabbos that there is. But just on a basic level, we have no conception of what's happening in all the spiritual worlds because I'm running into kosher kingdom and I'm buying last minute items. No idea what's happening. The delight that this brings Hashem, Hashashuim, he says, Shashuim, Noiroim, in all of the worlds. Avalzeh, Kol Yisrael Mekayim, Be'ezus Hashem Yisbar. This is everyone, Vegam Allah Bechlalam, and we too. How fortunate are we that we were privileged enough to receive this gift. This gift. That like a gift that has many different features and a person hasn't read the user manual yet, you don't really know to appreciate this gift yet. If you don't know what a laptop is and somebody buys you one, it doesn't mean much to you. Doesn't mean that it's not objectively the most wondrous thing in the world. Okay, not a laptop, right? But laptops are pretty amazing, right? But everything in a relative scale, it's the same exact thing for Shabbos. Because I'll tell us it's matana. We say, okay, I get it, it's a gift. No, you don't have any conception of what this gift is if you're not going to learn about it. And the more that we learn about Shabbos, the more we begin to appreciate just what a gift it is so that we can shout it from the rooftops like Reb Nassim who shouted so loudly in Ukraine 250 years ago that it's reaching our ears today in London. Ashrenu, how fortunate are we? How fortunate are we? We have no conception of what this thing is, Shabbos, the depth of this thing, what's happening in our neshamas, what's happening in the world, what's happening to those that are awake to it. It's the greatest privilege in the world. Ashrenu, 
that we were zochet to matana toiva biyakara kazois shaisa genuza bebeis genaza v'shabes shema that was hidden in Hashem's treasure house and its name is Shabbos. Let's skip to the next paragraph. You'll see the brackets over there, which I really wanted to get to before we delve into the actual shear. This is just a far too lengthy introduction. Okay, so let's try to let's try to move. He ends. Baruch Hashem Yisbarach, blessed is Hashem Asher Hiskarti Atzmi Ve'eschem Kedusha Shabbos. That I've had the opportunity here, says Reb Nassim, to remind you, he's talking to his son, Reb Yitzchak, and to all of us, and myself, says Reb Nassim, about the holiness of Shabbos. I've reminded us about this. And there is certainly much to talk about. Shabbos as the essence of holiness, as the essence of elevation, as the essence of Kedusha and Tara. And here was the point, and that's why it's highlighted, but paradoxically it makes it harder to read. But let's try to imagine that it's bold, bold, because this is what I really wanted to get to. And the main thing is to strengthen ourselves and to request from HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we should merit to accept Shabbos, excuse me, to bring Shabbos in with Simcha Gedoyla, with tremendous, tremendous joy. Ba'ava, with love, we spoke about this deep desire at the very least, to banish all forms of sadness at that time and to try to shake off the dust. And kumi, like the Balshemt of sheep, if they could do it, you know, with four legs, imagine what we could do with two, right? To stand up, mamish to stand up with confidence and strength to begin again, with joy, to be mekabal Shabbos with a simcha. What is the nature of this simcha? That's going to be the topic of the shir Be'ez Hashem that we have the next 50 minutes or so, 40 minutes or so to get into. What's the nature of the simcha? What's the nature of Kabbalah Shabbos? Where do we see there's such a thing to bring in Shabbos by saying, Bo'yichala, Bo'yichala, at the end of L'chadodi. What does this mean? L'chadodi, let us go to greet our beloved. Likra Shabbos, l'chu v'nelcha. We should go out, which is what all of us are doing. What does this mean? Where are we going? What's the root of this? Where does it come from in our tradition? Let's take a look at the first, really the first source over here, Shabbos, Kufyu Tesem and Aleph. And the Gemara in Shabbos tells us about two Amirayim and the way that they would go ahead and behave, Bein Ashmashes, as Shabbos is coming in. And the Gemara tells us, Rabbi Chanina Misatev, Rabbi Chanina would put on Fresh new clothing. The koi apanya demali shabsa. He would stand up as Shabbos was coming in. Amar and he would say, Boyu vinetse likra Shabbos hamalka. Come, let us go out. Boyu vinetse, let us go out. Likras toward Shabbos hamalka, the Shabbos queen. That's Rabbi Chanina. Presumably he was speaking to his students and he was telling them, Seems physically, let's go, right? But stand, stand up, but you come, the say, and let us go out. But the Gemara tells us there was another tzaddik whose behavior was slightly different. We're going to get into this Bezar Hashem in the, in the shir next week, which is part B of this. We're going to talk about Rabbi Yanai. Rabbi Yanai Ma'ani Malu Shabbos Umikase. Rabbi Yanai also would wear some kind of talis or some kind of cloak. As Shabbos was coming in, Va'amar, and he would say something different, even though it sounds the same, Bo'yichala, Bo'yichala, right? Come in, bride, come in, bride. 
And the difference here is that both of them are using the word boi, but one is speaking to the students and telling them that it's time to go out toward the bride. And Rabbi Yana is saying, we're staying where we are and we're welcoming the bride in. Take a look at the Marshat of Babakama, Lamed Bezam and Aleph. And the Marshavi here says, and I apologize for going a little bit quickly, but we really try to, want to try to see the whole thing. There's a lot to talk about here. Be'ezer Sashem, let's try to make it through the sources. Va'ashabes gufei hi k'nesu Yisrael says the Heilig Marsha Shabbos is married to Am Yisrael. Shabbos is ben zugeich. Shabbos is our bride. Shabbos is our spouse. We spoke before about building a romantic connection with a thing so deeply that you look forward to it that you can't stop thinking about it. That it's the essence of your life. This is Shabbos. Shabbos is our bride. Shabbos is our beloved. Shabbos keeps us company when we're lonely. Shabbos is the purpose, is the tachlis, is the ultimate premise of existence. Tachlis maise shemayim va'aret. He says we are married to Shabbos, so to speak. As Shabbos is coming in, this is the stage within the marriage of the kala walking down the aisle toward the chuppah, right? Shabbos is coming in. Shabbos is our bride. Shabbos is coming in. Just like when the kala comes to the chuppah and underneath the chuppah, through the process of Kiddushin, she becomes the bride, Nesua, she becomes married. Keina Shabbos, it's the same thing, when we make Kiddush, that's like Kiddushin, we're sanctifying Shabbos. You know what happens when you make Kiddush on a cup of wine, a cup of grape juice? You know what's happening in that moment? It's the Kiddushin. You're putting a ring on the finger of Shabbos, as it were. There's a unification happening there. Kiddush Hayyim. It's, it's a Kiddushin. You're marrying the day, not just sanctifying the day. It's Kiddushin. You're marrying the day. Kinesu Ali Yisrael becomes married to Am Yisrael. Vikara, and that's why we call it Malkasa. That's why it's referred to in Chazal as the, as the queen. Sheikhalas Hamalach, because she's the bride of the king. Dechal Yisrael, because we are the husband, we're the groom, and all of Israel is compared to a king. There's something regal about us, there's something royal about us. And this is Pshat of the Gemara over here, which is also quoted in Baba Kama, as we're going to see in a minute. That Rabbi Hanina Bepane Demali Shabsa, he's the first Amara we learned about. What would he do? Before Shabbos comes in, what would he say? Let's stand up and let us go out to greet Shabbos. This is what Rabbi Hanina would say. Why? Because it's the way of a groom. To go out, and to, we even do it by weddings today, right? With the husband, or, or the husband-to-be, the chassan that's under the chuppah, as the kala's emerging, you, go, you walk out a few steps to go out to greet the kala. And this was what Rabbi Hanina was doing. As the Pasuk says, Hashem came from Sinai. And Rashi says, what does that mean? He came out toward Am Yisrael because that was also a wedding. And the chassan comes out to greet the kala as Rashi brings their kechassan a yoytze, like the groom that goes out to greet and to, and to bring in the presence of the kala. Like Rashi tells us. However, Rabbi Yanai is a different story. And this we're going to learn about next week in the context of Yira. Rabbi Hanina is Simcha. Rabbi Hanina is let's go out. It's exuberance. We're going to talk a lot about this now. What is the Simcha? How do we qualify it, quantify it? What should we be meditating on when we walk into Shul Friday night? 
What should we be thinking about? What's taking place? Do you understand what I mean to say that there are two kinds of Jews? Do you understand what I mean? That there are some Jews that come Friday night, Nebuch, because they're, they're not aware. It's not their fault. And it's a, show, a social scene. They're oblivious, oblivious to what's going on. Oblivious. And then you could have two Yidin sitting next to each other. Both of them have circumcisions. Both of them are perfectly Orthodox Jews. And one is experiencing Gan Eidin Elyon. And talking, it's not just like he has to control himself not to talk. It, like, it's, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not one of the op, it's not one of the features in this moment. It's not an option. It's not an option. He's living inside. There's no Indian of looking around. Who's here? Who's not here? Ah, how's Joe doing? It's not, that's not what's going on. It's an internal revolution. He might as well be walking into shul with his eyes closed because his eyes are open to a deeper reality that exists. The sanctity of the moment. This is what we're trying to give over a little bit. The sanctity of the moment. It's, it's not a matter of talking or not talking. How to bribe people with different kinds of candies, different children, you know, at different ages. You know, how to stop talking. That's not what it's about. It's about getting connected to Yiddishkeit in such a deep and real way that in shul, we daven. And when we daven, we don't talk. It's not about not talking. It's about talking, communicating to HaKadosh Baruch in a very real way. And so this, Hever, this is what Shabbos is. And I want to... I wanna Bless us, all of us, and I want to daven in this moment and in Eisaratzon of Chever that came together, Baruch Hashem, a beautiful group, Chever that are Mavakshe Hashem, that are looking to get in touch with Yiddishkeit for real, Imloi Achshav Emasai. Hashem should bless us to be among those that are living like with Neshama, alive, and not just sleep walking through it, which is a, a major possibility and even probability, right? Okay. So this is Rabbi Hanina. But Amr the Rabbi Yana is something else. Rabbi Yana midachar is He had a completely different conception. Shaloy Amar And this is very key what the Marsha is saying. And it's going to become even more key as we see the Gemara that he's commenting on in a minute. He didn't say, let us go out to greet the Kala. What did he say? He stays where he already is. He sits in shul and he stays there. Why? Because Rabbi Hanina is the master of going out to greet the bride, like the chas and like the groom walks out to greet the kala. But then, but then the bride comes close. What happens? She goes from the house of her father, and then we bring her into a different living situation. This was what Rabbi Yanai was doing. Rabbi Yanai was welcoming her into the new home. So Rabbi Hanina, so to speak, is stage one. Rabbi Yanai is stage two. The Kafala Inyan, and this is why his Lashon is also different where he says two times, Bowichala, Bowichala, come in bride, come in bride. Why two? Because he was finishing off the second segment, right? So to speak, of the Kiddushin. Where there's one element where there's the Kiddushin that's accomplished under the Chuppah. You have to go out to greet the bride. She comes in. Okay, that's Rabbi Hanina, which we'll talk about. And then Rabbi Yana says, okay, that's Bowie Chala number one. And then Bowie Chala, where his job is to invite her into their new home where they're going to be living together. The Acharkach Bowie Chala Lebeis Balach. If you take a look in the Shulchan Aruch, the next source, the Shulchan Aruch plays an interesting game over here because he doesn't paskin, well, he doesn't paskin as is the simple understanding of the Gemara that you should actually go out, like physically, and walk out into the field. We don't have that minute today. He says, it's referring to like an internal experience. Yilbash begadav hanoim, like we've learned that these Amiraim did, he should dress 
in these beautiful Shabbos clothes, covered Shabbos, clean clothes, different clothes, new clothes. The Yismach, this word again, the Yismach, he should rejoice, Bibiyah Shabbos, as Shabbos approaches, Kiyotse Likras Hamelech, like one who would go out to greet a king. And so it seems that the way that the Beis Yosef, the Shulchan Aruch, is interpreting the Gemara is that he wasn't telling his Talmidim, let us stand up and go out, even though the Marshal learns it literally, as we saw. But, the, the, but the, the Shulchan Aruch learns that it was an internal experience. Let us rejoice in the way that someone would go out to greet the presence of the king. That's the Shulchan Aruch, but Al-Kopanim, you see there's an Indian of Simcha. There's an Indian of rejoicing, which is, of course, linked to the concept of going out, which is what joy does. It's expansive. It can't be contained within. It's contagious, right? It spreads to everybody around. It's all about bursting forth and not about remaining shuttered up within the person himself. Simcha is connected to light. And just like light can't help itself. That's the nature of light. You light a flame, it's, it's, it lights up everything around it. The same is true of Simcha. Simcha is about going forth, going out. He should dress in beautiful clothes, and rejoice with Shabbos, with the arrival of Shabbos, like one who is going out to greet the king. That's the Shulchan Aruch. Interestingly enough, the Gemara in Baba Kama takes it very literally. So literally that there are different halachos about what takes place in the street as Shabbos is coming in than there are during the week. Says the Mishnah in Baba Kama, which the Marsha was commenting on that we just learned in the previous page. You have two people that are walking in Rosh Hashanah. Both of them are allowed to be there. It's not a private place. One of them is running. And one of them is walking. Or both of them are running. And in either of these cases, one of them damages the other. In the case where they're both running and they run into each other, they both damage the other. Says the mission, interesting thing, Shneim Peturim. They're both pater, which in the context of the sugya there, which goes through all different, even though ordinarily human beings are always chayev for everything, right? Adam muad la'aylam, whether it's on purpose, whether it's by mistake, we say that an Adam is muad la'aylam, he's always responsible for the, for the damage that he causes. There are exceptions, and this seems to be one of the exceptions which would seem strange, like why, right? Why? Especially in the case where one of them is walking and somebody's running haphazardly through a public space, that's not the normal way that people behave in the shuk. Why is he exempt from paying damages to this person that he clobbers, right, that he runs into? That doesn't seem to fit with what we know about the nezikin of Adam, the damages that need to be paid by a person, and certainly about this particular situation of a person that's running. Says the Gemara, explains, Amar Mar, Isi, this Manda Amar Isi that was brought a little bit earlier in the Gemara agrees Be'erev Shabbos Bein Hashmashes that the case must be in our Mishnah that we're talking about Bein Hashmashes. We're talking about Erev Shabbos as Shabbos is coming in. This is the case where people are running around bumping into each other. Which actually relates to what we spoke about last week with the Neirah Shabbos to prevent that. That's interesting. But over here we see that people are mamish bumping into each other. Erev Shabbos Bein Hashmashos. That's when this is taking place. And he's putter, he says. The reason why they are exempt from paying damages, because when a person runs around on Erev Shabbos outside, 
It's with Rishos. Every person's allowed to do that. You're allowed to run outside on Shabbos. As Shabbos is coming in, this is normal, accepted behavior. Nobody was out of line. My Rishos Ika says the Gemara, what kind of Rishos are we talking about? Why is it that all of a sudden a person is able to be behaving in a way that if he was behaving this way during the week and it ran into somebody, he would for sure be chayv. He would for sure be obligated to pay. Says the Gemara, Kedur This same Reb Chanina that we just learned about. To Amr Reb Chanina, the Reb Chanina said, again, He told his students, let's get up and let's run outside to greet Shabbos. Over here you see that a Jew is allowed to be running around in the Rishus where other people may be walking on Erev Shabbos and if a person bumps into somebody and breaks something, he doesn't have to pay because this is considered normal and permissible behavior because we see that the tzaddikim advocated for such a thing. It's amazing, Gemara. And you see over here that unlike the Shulchan Aruch, which we'll talk about next week, especially in the context of the Rambam, Be'ezus Hashem, the Gemara takes it very literally, right? that they actually would go out. And not only would they go out, they would run out with great joy which is ordinarily when people run. Never saw a really sad person running, you know? Not really, but a, a very happy person could imagine running. And they would say, come, let us go out. And others would say, let's go out to greet Shabbos. And then the Gemara continues with the sheet of Rabbi Yanai, but like the Marsha points out, the Gemara doesn't need Rabbi Yanai, right? Because Rabbi Yanai doesn't, wouldn't be a good proof, right? We're trying to talk about Amanda Amar that advocated people going out and Rabbi Yanai was saying that we should stay in. So the Gemara brings the sheet of Rabbi Yanai because this is part of one b'risa, but the Marsha makes it clear that that's not the main thing here. The main thing is Rabbi Hanina. Okay. Now we have a little bit of a better perspective in Licha Daidi. What does this mean? Licha Daidi Likras Kala. Licha means to go. Licha Daidi. Let the beloved the male, the husband, the groom, the chassin, go out to greet Likras Kala, to greet the bride. Pene Shabbos Nekabla. Let us go and receive the presence of Shabbos. Lichadoidi. To go out. But where would they go out? Where would they go out? How far away would they go? What kind of topography would they go? Where are these words L'chadaydi even from? Well, we know they're from Rav Shlema Al-Kabetz, right? It was one of the Mikubalim at the time of the Ariya Kaddish and the Ramak and all Chavrai over there in Svas. Imagine how many people are running around over there in those alleyways, Erev Shabbos, all the, you know, Kabbalists running around. But he took them from somewhere earlier. And if you take a look in the next source, we have the words L'chadaydi in Tanakh. And the Pasuk tells us, L'chadaydi neitze hasadeh. Come out to the field. Lechadaydi. May the groom, the chassin, go out to the field. Nalina Bekfarim, let us lie down in the little villages. Neitse Hasadeh. And Arizal picks up on this. And Arizal tells us in the next source, Priyitz Chaim Shar Shabbos, Perik Ches, Arizal tells us. Tchilas hakol, the beginning, beginning, beginning of anything as it relates to Shabbos is teitze lasade lekabala Shabbos to go out to a field, dafka to a field, lekabala Shabbos. 
and he should say, He brings this Pasuk that Rabbi Shlomo Al-Kabitz turned into a piyot that all of Am Yisrael say, which is phenomenal because it's a pretty late innovation and everybody, everybody accepted to, to, to use this and to integrate it into their Kabbalah Shabbos. But that Rizal brings this whole Pasuk. This is what he should say. Come, my beloved, come out to the field. What is this field? What is this field? And why would they go to a field? And how does that relate to Shabbos? Hakavana says the Rizal Remez This word Sada in the Zara Kaddish in a number of places refers to the Shechina. Refers to the indwelling presence of God, which is synonymous in Ariya Kaddish with the collective soul of Am Yisrael. As Chazal tell us, Al Kol which I think we have more than that, Baruch Hashem here, on every collection of ten Jews, Shchinta Sharia. There's a revelation of Shchinta, of the presence of Hashem can be felt. Each of us are sparks of the Shchina, that splinter and manifest down through the cascade of our soul levels, from Yechida, which is the highest part of the soul, to Chaya, to Neshama to Ruach, and then to Nefesh. These are the five parts of the individual soul. But above that funnel, as it were, which is poured into all the individual bottles of our bodies, right? Which is the funnel of the soul, which is not my mashal, but the Piyasetzin Rebbe brings that in Shlesh Amarim at the end of Chavisat Talmidim, which maybe we'll learn that together one day too. Tashem's help. Above that is the collective soul of the Jewish nation, which is called the Shechina. And we are here to manifest the Shechina. That's what it means to be a Jew. Not just a whole checklist of things that we feel guilty not taking off daily. We're here to affect a shift in consciousness in humanity, in the whole world. And that begins with ourselves. To manifest the Shechina. That's what we begin with. This is the purpose of what it means to be a Jew. And all of these different things that we call halachas are vessels to further enable us to connect to this level of consciousness, to reveal it in action and to spread it throughout the world. To live elevated, plugged in, expansive lives. That's what it means. To be a Torah Yid. That's what Hashem wants. To be a Arla Goyim, a light to the nations. Says the Ari HaKadosh, the Sada is the Shechina. We're going to talk about why, the Ezra Hashem. Come out and let us greet Shabbos Malkasa, Shabbos the Queen. Chakal Tapuchin Kadishin. And Arizal adds these three interesting words, which are Aramaic for the field of holy apples, the orchard of holy apples. Chakal Tapuchin Kadishin. Which Nusach Sfarad actually says this. If you ever look at Nusach Sfarad, after the last Mizmar, Mizmala David, right before Anabakoyach, or, or right before, rather, Mizmala David, after Moshe Aaron, we say, Bo Likras Kala, comes from this, from Priyetz Chaim. Let us go out, Likras Shabbos, Malkasa, the Shabbos queen, Chakal Tapuchin Kadish, in the field of holy apples. And what should he have in mind when he says this, the field of holy apples? V'yechavein lemalchus, he should have in mind the energy that's called malchus, that's called kingship, which we're going to talk about now. Hanikra, which is called in the Zohar, chakal tapuch in the field of apples, the apple field. This is the field that they would go out to. 
Let us go out with great joy into this place of Malchus, into this place of Shechina, the divine revelation that's happening in all of our souls and it's happening through our perception in the physical world and as much as we're able to look at the world with elevated eyes, with the eyes of a tzaddik, with the eyes of Eini Hashem al-Tzaddikim, that the tzaddik looked at the same world that you and I did, but they saw a completely different world, just like those two Jews come to Shul, but they experience a completely different davani because everything depends on the machshava, everything depends on the perspective, the lens through which we're looking at things and the glasses that we happen to be wearing, spiritually speaking. What is this thing, malchus? Without getting into the whole depth of it now, it's something that we touched upon in earlier shiurim in the series. HaKadosh Baruch who created the world in a process that started long before the physical creation as expressed in the creation narrative in the beginning of Bereshus. Bereshus in the beginning, Bara Elokim Hashem created Shemayim Va'aretz, heaven and earth. That result tells us there was a tremendous creation drama that took place in the spiritual realms before the physical world was able to actually be completed. And that involved different stages of disclosure of godliness called olamos, called worlds, different realms. Bear with me. And it involved 10 energies called sephiros or midos, how we also refer to them. Different traits that Hashem expressed and revealed. And the ways that these interact and the level that they didn't interact and the place where they shattered and then had to come back together. This is all very, very deep Kabbalistic sugyas and nari and the ramak and other mikubalim that I'm not qualified to speak about at all. But just on a basic level, these 10 energies can be understood very basically, very simply, as we don't have time now, very, very simply. Like any person would want to create anything. We go through a process of creating, right? It begins with desire, right? With a vision, with an inspiration, just like an artist, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu is likened to, Ein Sur Kelokeinu, there's no rock like our creator, say Chazal, Ein Sayar Kelokeinu, there's no artist like God. God is an artist. So an artist that wants to paint something, what's the first thing that happens? He has a desire. Okay, HaKadosh Baruch Hu also went through that process. That's, what, that's called Keser. Right? That's the first, earliest, earliest revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's interaction with creation is his desire to create. Keser. What do we do next? We plan things out intellectually, right? And we look at the canvas and we think about, you know, what exactly am I going to draw? How am I going to draw this? I know that I want to draw it, but what do I want to draw? What angle am I going to take, right? Etc. And that's called Chachma and Bina. That's the mental cognitive processes. There's a difference between Chachma and Bina. We don't have time to, to do this now. And then there are the practical steps that we take to go to the store and buy paint, right? And then we want to paint, but we don't want to paint too much. That would be called chesed, that's too much. So then we limit ourselves. We say, okay, gvura. But we don't want to limit ourselves so much, right? Because there has to be a balance. That's called tiferes. And then there's netzach and hod, which are a little bit more complicated. Yisod, just throwing words at you. And then finally, when the whole process is engaged with, as we go from step to step to step to step to step, in these 10 steps, the final actualized vessel, which holds all the energy, synthesizes them, and brings them into being in a complete way, and a healthy way that they can function, that's called Malchus. And so Malchus is in actuality, 
at the end of the creative process, what keser is in potential. Malchus is the actualized vision that began in the earliest ratzon, in the earliest will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to create. When does that process play out finally? In Malchus. This, by the way, is why we refer in L'chadodi to Sof Maseh, the very end of the creative process that reflects B'machshava Tchila. Right? The earliest, 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 earliest cognitive process, even beyond cognition, which is why it's called keser, because a crown sits above the intellectual properties, because desire comes from a place beyond the mind. We think about what we want. We don't want because we think. On the deepest level, different kinds of wanting, but on the deepest level, malchus reflects keser. That's why we say, keser, melucha. Because these two things are really bound up very, very closely. Malchus is the completed, actualized vision of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, there's a broken Malchus and there's a completed Malchus. There's a broken Malchus when the world is not yet in its state where it's reflecting HaKadosh Baruch Hu's vision for a world that would be filled with consciousness, where human beings would walk humbly, deeply, living life beyond the surface in the way that they relate to themselves, in the way that they relate to others, in the way that they relate to Avodah Hashem and eating and drinking. Life is a spiritual odyssey. It's a mystical experience. But all the while, the world is not yet there. And all the symptoms of our humanity have not yet been healed, exposed to the light of consciousness. Malchus is broken. When is Malchus going to be complete? Lasid Lavo. After Mashiach comes, who's called Mashiach ben David, who's David HaMelech, because David is the vessel for Malchus. David represents this final vessel, the perfection, the completion of everything. Shabbos is a taste of that day. That means on Shabbos, we get a little bit of a taste of that completed reality. A little bit of a hint of what the world might look like when all the sheep are standing up on their hind legs and singing out to the Lord. This is a little bit of a taste of the world to come, Shabbos. Shabbos is deeply bound to Malchus. Sunday is Chesed. Monday is Gevura. Tuesday is Tiferes. The stages of the process. Wednesday is Netzach. Thursday is Hod. Friday is Yesod. And what's Shabbos? It's Malchus, right? Shabbos is the Tachlis Maisei Shemai Va'aretz. It is the ultimate purpose for which HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world on the level of Keser. It reflects the light of the beginning. Says the Ariya Kadosh, Malchus is called. Make sure to get the recording because we're just uh, in the thick of it now. Thank you so much for coming. Malchus is referred to in the Zara Kadosh as the Chakal Tapuchin Kadish, in the field of holy apples. This is called Malchus. Where do we see this concept of Chakal Tapuchin earlier than the Ariya Kadosh? Where do we see this concept of the field of holy apples? It's in the Gemara and Tainus. Really, it's a Pasuk, though, because the Pasuk says, When Yaakov Avinu goes in, dressed in the clothes of Esav, to receive the brachas, what does Yitzchak say? Wow, the scent of my son is like the scent of the field that God has blessed. Amrab Yehuda, Breder of Shmuel, Barshilas, Mishmei Darav, says this whole chain of different tzaddikim, He smelled like the field of apples. So even in Nigla, you find, what's this field of apples? Interesting thing. You find in the Gemara, 
Sadashal Tapuchin, which the Zara Kadosh calls Chakal Tapuchin and links to the sphere of Malchus, which the Arizal says is what we're referring to when we say let us go out into the field. Which field? The field of apples, the sphere of Malchus, to begin to perceive a world where sheep stand up and sing to Hashem. A perfected world, a little bit of a glimmer of what the world is going to look like, a little bit of a hint, a taste, a scent of what we might be if we lived Shabbistic all the time. Says the Gemara in Tainus, Sorry, says Rashi, shouldn't say Tainus, says Rashi to that Pasuk in Bereshis, there's nothing worse than the terrible smell of goats. And that was, that's what he was wearing, goat skin, to feel like Esav. Elam Alami says Rashi, says Rashi there, We find that the scent of Gan Eden entered. And we see there's some kind of correlation between Gan Eden and this field of apples. We find another Pasuk relating to this field of apples that can shed a little bit more insight. And this Pasuk is in Shira Shirim. And the Pasuk says, Which is Am Yisrael singing about Hashem, saying, you know what my beloved is like? Like an apple in the forest, right? In the field, in the orchard. So is my beloved among the Banim, right? among all the other, so to speak, not other with a capital O, but the Elilim, right? The, 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 the other powers that human beings might turn to that aren't powers, that are Elilim. Ketapuach ba'atziyayar. Says the Gemara in Shabbos, commenting on this Pasuk. Amr of Chama, Rebbe Chanina, Rebbe Chama says in the name of Chanina, What does this mean that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is like an apple in a forest? Apples growing on forest trees, says the Gemara, a shocking thing. Why is the Jewish nation likened to apples? Wait a second. The Pasuk is not talking about Am Yisrael. It's the segment of Shir Hashirim where it's Hashem singing about, I'm sorry, where it's Am Yisrael singing about Hashem, says the Gemara. Why is Am Yisrael likened to apples? We're going to see from the Nefesh who points that out in a minute, and Taisus addresses that too. But the Gemara says, Lama nimshli Yisrael Do you know why Am Yisrael are likened to an apple, to a field of apples, as if to say, Just like this apple, its leaves grow before the fruit. So did Am Yisrael first say, Nase, we will do, and then Nishma, we will hear. And that's like the apple tree, where the fruit grows before the leaves, the leaves being, so to speak, the process, what should come first, and then the branch grows out, and the fruit grows. Say, Am Yisrael, we don't need the process. Give me Nase. Give me Nase. We're just going to do. We're going to jump into the world of Asiya, which is our physical world, and we're going to conquer it for the Lord. Going to conquer for Akadish Baruch Nase and then Nishma. That's why we're comparable to apples. Says Taisus over there. It's like a very sobering question. Hikshis Rabbeinu Tam. Rabbeinu Tam says, "Wait a second. It's just not true. Apple trees don't grow in such a way where the apples grow before the leaves. It's not actually factual, right? If anybody would dare ask such a question today on the Gemara, I understand it would be a big, a big problem, right? But Taisus over here says, "Wait a second. Chazal said something, but it doesn't." Aligned with reality. And therefore, Taisus explains that the tapuach actually is not an apple, but it's a reference to the esrig, says Taisus. 
words, you know that another pasuk in Shir Hashirim says that a Kodesh Baruch Hu's breath is ketapuchim like apples and metagmina. If you look in the targum there, it says karecha de esroiga. It learns that it's talking about an esrig, that it's not talking about apples at all. Piriyai kaidim la'alav. The esrig, piriyai kaidim la'alav. And about an esrig, it is in fact true that the fruit grows before the leaves. That's what Tysus says. We're talking about an esrig. Keep that in mind. We're going to get back to that in a minute. It says the Gemara in Sukkah. We're just powering through Be'ez HaShem to the end. We might go a little bit over time. Maybe not. It says the Gemara in Sukkah, Tanarabanan, pre-eats Hadar. The Pasuk tells us that on Sukkot, we're supposed to take a pre-eats Hadar, a beautiful fruit of the tree. A fruit that's beautiful that grows on a tree. How do we know what that is? It doesn't say esrug in the Pasuk. Say Chazal. We're speaking about a fruit that has the same taste as the bark. The bark tastes one way, right? meaning the tree, and then the branches that lead to the fruit, and the fruit tastes that way. The fruit tastes one way, and the tree tastes that exact way. Say Chazal, okay, what, what fruit is this? This is the esrik. Let's take a look at the next source. Trust me, we'll develop it together Be'ez HaShem just hold on tight the last couple of minutes says the Nefesh HaChaim the Hikshu Sham that Taisus that we looked at the first couple of lines continues there and it says Taisus asks the question that I hinted to before why is the Gemara saying that we see from this Pasuk that Am Yisrael are likened to apples which we now know are Esroigim that Pasuk is not talking about Am Yisrael that Pasuk is talking about Am Yisrael praising whom? HaShem he doesn't understand this Chaval so he says, like the Gemara ends, Cain, like the Pasuk rather ends, Cain doidi bein habanim. It's doidi. It's not talking about Am Yisrael. It's talking about Am Yisrael referring to Hashem. As Hashem, we can answer Tosis' question. You're right. In this Pasuk and Shir Hashirim, it's Am Yisrael. And Am Yisrael are the ones that are praising Hashem. It's not Hashem praising Am Yisrael. You're right. But once we see, listen to this carefully, once we see that Am Yisrael are referring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in such a way, calling him a tapuach, which we now know from Taisus means an esrig, with all of what that is, which we'll get into in a minute, now that we see that such a thing is true, it must be because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is only a reflection of us. Hashem Tzilcha, like the Nevesh Chaim explains in the Baal Shem HaKadosh from the Medrash Tanchum, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is our shadow. Amazing thing. And so anything that we say in Shir Hashirim about Hashem can be rightly applied to Am Yisrael as well because if we're perceiving Hashem that way, it's because we are that way. Amazing thing. If the spiritual realm appears one way, that's because in the physical realm we've manifested that reality. And to the degree that we manifest this reality, that's the degree to which we can glimpse the spiritual realm beyond. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Make it a little bit clearer in a minute. In the bold, in the way that we appear before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's how HaKadosh Baruch Hu that's the way that he appears to the worlds. In that way, in that degree, which might come from the word darga, degree. Yeah. I give on the ratio. Okay, ba'ashir mamish in that exact way. 
Lachain therefore shall be Eze Davar. The Indian is Damnu. So Chazal looked at this Pasuk and the first thing they knew is that if Shir Hashirim Shloim HaMelech is saying that Am Yisrael will say something about Hashem, the first thing they knew is that Am Yisrael must be that way too. Says the Gemara, okay, so then how are Am Yisrael like a Tapuach? Amazing thing. Amazing way of learning a Gemara. That because of this, they started to grasp the way in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu is like a Tapuach. However, why am I bringing all these sources? What do I mean to say? The Indian of Shabbos is the Indian of Malchus. Malchus, we said, is the final stage. Malchus on Shabbos is a taste of Malchus, the Kedusha of a world that's been sanctified by the spirit of Mashiach ben David, which is shining forth within each and every one of our souls, which is an animating spirit that brings all the different institutional frameworks and structures to life, because those are Mashiach ben Yosef, like we learned in a previous year as well. Mashiach ben David is the Ruach of energy, of life, of vibrancy, of vitality, of inwardness, Mashiach ben David, that all of us have. And we're asked, particularly in this generation, to manifest because we have the institutions. We have all the shuls and the yeshivas and the koilos and the minion factories and the kosher food outlets and so on and so forth. Our task is the Mashiach ben David task, is to bring it all to life, to turn the machine on, right? To bring it to life. Shabbos is a taste of that completed world where everything that exists in the upper worlds beyond will be manifest in such a way that that the Navi Yishayo expresses and captures so beautifully when he says that ultimately the light of the moon will shine the same as the light of the sun. What's the moon? The moon is Malchus. The moon is just a receptacle. It just receives what it gets from the sun. Meaning the sun is all the energies in the upper worlds, the process of creation. Malchus is just the cleus, just the vessel, the levana. But there will come a time at the end where that degree of spirituality that exists in all the spiritual worlds as manifest throughout the process of creation will so strongly manifest within our physical reality that the light of the moon will burst, burst forth like the light of the sun, which is also reflected in what Yeshayahu says more aptly appropriate to what we're speaking about here, that eventually... It won't just be the voice of the groom and the silence of the bride, right? Which is like the rock of Malchus reflecting the light of the sun. It's going to be the voice of the female. Malchus will speak. The world will sing. The world will reveal the presence of God that on first blush it looks like it hides. We'll be living with consciousness, plugged in, attuned, high levels of being. We can already live that way now. It's called living with Shabbos living Shabbos day. But this is what Shabbos is. Therefore we find that if Shabbos is about going out to the field, and that field is the field of Tapuchim, which we said correlates to Malchus, the completed Malchus, the manifested Malchus, Malchus in its full expression of all the spiritual realms above. And that state Tapuchim is not an apple orchard, but it's actually a field of Esroigim, then all of a sudden you find an amazing thing, three different experiences that we've already mentioned of the way in which the Esrig and the experience of being Am Yisrael that are similar to Tapuach, which is an Esrig, manifest this concept. Number one, the concept of fruit growing before the leaves. What that means is the fruit is the ultimate end, right? The fruit is the end of the process. And that means that the light of the moon will be shining more brilliantly even than the light of the upper world. The main thing is the manifestation in the lower realms. 
The fruit comes before the leaves. There's the whole process, but we say, set the process aside. That's not so dazzling anymore. We have the fruit. The fruit has come to manifest its fullest potential. This is Am Yisrael saying, Nase before Nishma. Nase, we're going to show you, HaKadosh Baruch We'll manifest it in the world for you. And then, Memela Nishma. Through our actions will be revealed all the deep insights from a realm beyond, the spiritual feelings will be manifested within our Misa, Nasa before Nishma, the world of Asiya, before the spiritual realms beyond. That's the world of Malchus, the world of action, the physical world, when it's manifest completely and completed. And then we find the same concept of the Esrig being Tama Eitz Ketama Pri, where you have the Esrig where the fruit tastes exactly like the bark, which means to say there's no deviation between the megadoses of spiritual energy on the levels of Hashem creating the world through a process in the upper realms and how it manifests in this world. It's the same taste. Finally, again, the light of the moon is like the light of the sun, which means the taste of the fruit is like the taste of the tree, which is the esrig, which is the state tapuchim, which is the bechina of malchus b'shleimusa. And finally, what the Nefesh HaChaim is telling us implicit in this very Gemara itself is the same mechanism where if you want to know what a Kaddish Baruch Hu is, don't look in the spiritual realm. Look at Am Yisrael in this world below. Look at Am Yisrael who themselves are the manifestation of the Shekhinah. Then you can go say something about the spiritual realm. It's all about Nishma. Sorry, it's all about Nase. It's all about the Pri. It's all about this worldly expression, which you and I are charged with doing all the six days of the week, not just in, in one particular week or the weeks in one particular month or the months in one particular year, but all the years of our lives. And in so doing, we hold hands with our grandparents and them with their grandparents before them up until Harsinai and with all the generations after us until the coming of Mashiach. That's exactly what we're doing. This is the depth of what it means, the state tapuchim. This is what we get to taste a little bit of if we can close our eyes physically and open up to a deep experience of what's happening on Shabbos. It's a different world. It's a different world. We can close away the week. We can open our eyes to a taste, a glimmer of a completed world to come. Says the Barashas Rabbah, just a few, few tiny more sources, just a few more minutes. Amazing thing, says the Gemara. Well, what was the tree that Adam and Chava ate from? That tree that they ate from that brought death into the world. That tree that they ate from that caused a tremendous separation between heaven and earth. What was that tree? Rabbi Abba Da'ako Amar Esrikaya. He says it was an Esrik tree. There are many different shitas over there. But this shita says it was an Esrik tree. The fruit, the, the tree was good. Again, what does it mean? That the eights was good. It doesn't say the fruit was good. It says the bark was good. Like we said, what's the tree where the bark tastes like the fruit? This is the esrig, which explains why Rashi tells us about the state tapuchim that Yitzchak smelled in the clothes of es in the clothes of Yaakov Avinu, the garments that he was wearing to disguise himself as Esav. Rashi says. Because he was talking about the Eitzadas Toivara. Now, Chevra, if this is where the blemish was, this is where the fixing needs to be. If their eating from the Eitzadas caused everything to go wrong, for the Esrig to become concealed, so our fixing needs to take place in this way to allow the fruit to manifest what exists in the branches, to allow our nishma to be saturated with, uh, to allow rather our nish, our nase to be saturated with the light of the nishma, to allow our levana to be glowing like the light of the sun. 
This is our task, and this is what we taste on Shabbos. Turn to the last page very quickly, but this will come to the end. Says the Tikkun Ezer, just to hammer it home. Da esrig, da shchinta. Says the Zara, you want to know what an esrig is? It's the shchina. The esrig is itself malchus. We talked about sadeh being malchus, chakal tapuchin being malchus. Then we said, it's not tapuchin, it's esrigim. It's okay, esrig is also malchus. And he goes on and he says, And this is why the Mishnah says, If the pitam was, was taken off, or if it develops some kind of boils, puzzle, we can't have an esrog like that. The esrog needs to be perfectly pure. Because it's like the shechina. And said, Lavai, when Mashiach ben David comes and sanctifies the world, the whole entire world will be like an esrog without a mum. Like the Pasik says, he brings from Shir Shirim, umum Am Yisrael, which is the Shechina, which is the revelation of the divine presence, which is the world that we're trying to move toward, a world that's devoid of any blemish. Ah, it's like an esrog. Can't have a mum, it can't have a blemish. Esrog is malchus. Says the Pardis, remind him, Esrog hiya malchus, Esrog is malchus, the remuza ala lev she shechina. And again, it's talking about the heart that's the shechina. Abnem nikra Esrog, once it called Esrog, because sometimes it's broken, sometimes it's a malchus, it's a moon that's not reflecting anything, and that's why the moon goes through its process of getting bigger, but then sometimes it's very dim, which means that sometimes our world doesn't reflect the divine at all. Sometimes it hides the world, which is called malchus sitra achra. It's a different kind of malchus. When's it called an esrig? When it's connected to mayim, to water, meaning to say when it reflects the grand master plan, the vision, the keser, the chachma. That plan that HaKadosh Baruch who had the blueprint, the big vision, the inspiration, says the Pasuk in Mishli, the last four sources, we talked about Simcha, right? We wanted to know, what's the Simcha of Kabbalah Shabbos? What are we rejoicing in? What can we plug into that fills our heart with joy? You know what this Pasuk says? Lev, we said, is Malchus. That's what the Pardis just told us, right? Lev is Malchus. That's why the Esrig, famously, the Medrash says, is comparable to the heart, right? That's why it has the same size of the heart. It's Malchus. That's the heart. When does the heart rejoice? When there's clarity. When there's clarity. When we can see the truth. The enayim is always connected to chachma. Ezehu chacham, who is the wise? Haroya es hanoilet. He can see what's going to come. Chachma is always connected to seeing. That means in as much as malchus, which is lev, is reflecting the spiritual world beyond, when the esrig, fruit, is reflecting the taste of the branch. So then, Yisamach Leiv, it brings us tremendous simcha. We sing in V'chol Mamin among Yom Kippur, Havadai Shemoi, Kain Tihilasai. Hashem's name is Vadai. His name is certainty. Certainty. When does a person have certainty? When they know where they came from and when they know where they're going. They're not confused as to where they are. There's no existential vertigo. You know, they're not just like, they're not sure what's up, what's down. Clear, 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 clear. To be clear where we come from, where we're going. Vada'os. A Shabbos Yid has vada'os. He has clarity. That's a God's name, is clarity. But you know, God has another name. The next part comes from the Zohar. Shabbos is Shema You know, Hashem has another name and that name is Shabbos. And it means process of association, right? That means that Shabbos is the same thing as Vada'os. It's the same thing. 
And what do we learn? It's not a chazal, but we say it all the time. Ein simcha kehataras hasfekos. There's no joy like the joy of wiping away all doubt. That's the joy of Kabbalah Shabbos. That's the joy of licha doidi asada. The chakal tapuchin, the field of apples, the field of esroigim, the field of amalchus that's complete. To be able to believe in the world, to believe that the world is getting better, to believe that with all of our failures during the week and with all the dust that we come into Shabbos with, we're getting better. It's a process. It's a process. It's a process. The world is getting to a place of, of tikkun. The world is getting to that place specifically because of the way that it appears to be falling apart. Sometimes you hit rock bottom and then things start to start to flourish. And that's why at the end of Kabbalah Shabbos, we say, Tzadik katamar yifrach. The righteous will be like a tamar, like a tree, yifrach sprouting, ke'erez balvanon yiske, like a mighty cedar in Lebanon, in Lebanon. Shesulim beveis Hashem, and this is the end, rooted beveis Hashem in the house of Hashem, and then flourishing in the courtyards. And when I see this Pasuk, it's clear to me. We're talking about the tree. We're talking about the tree of Malchus, which so perfectly encapsulates the process that begins in the spiritual realm beyond, but then develops all the way through to a final product, which is what you see when you look at a tree, which is a remarkable thing. When you look at a tree, you're seeing a concretized growth process. You ever notice that? Because what should be is that you plant the seed, the seed turns into roots, the roots turn into the bark, it, they disappear, the bark sp sprouts branches, the bark goes away, the branches produce fruits, and fruits are there. Right? That, that's how things develop. You don't get to see a growth process from beginning to end concretized at once. But when you look at a tree, you're looking at something that's been brought from conception, keser, big picture, vision, inspiration, all the way to the end, all the way to the malchus, all the way to the fruit. In this case, all the way to the eserk. And the esrog there reflects everything that came before it. This is what a tzaddik is. He shasl beveis Hashem. He's rooted in the place of Hashem's desire for a world and the chachma and bina of the world. And therefore, like this tree, he manifests the entirety of the process. Once we're talking about a tzaddik, or zaruah tzaddik. About this tzaddik, the pasuk says, or zaruah. Light shines for this tzaddik. Where did we just see the word light? Three sources ago. Ma'ar enayim. The light of chachma. The light of clarity shines for such a tzaddik. Uli yishrei lev. And therefore, for the tzaddik that's connected to this kind of perspective, his heart, which is malchus, simcha, is filled with joy. Which is the joy of Kabbalah Shabbos. Which is the joy of that Kabbalah Shabbos getting a little bit of a glimmer. If we have the sensitivity to it, if we can develop and cultivate an atmosphere, a spirit of silence in that moment, as much as possible, inner silence, outer silence, tap into the moment, tap into the tefillah, to the tefillah, tap in, close your eyes. Launch, Mamish, launch. This is what our Nishamas want to do. They're not interested in, in, in schmoozing it. We have the Kiddush for that, Baruch Hashem, right? But mamish to plug into plug into plug in in the deepest way, the deepest way. We feel that incredible joy, the joy of completion, the joy of vadaos, havadai shemoy, the joy of shabbos shmada kuchibrichu, ein simcha kataras hasfekus. To stand in that moment and say, I know right now that I'm not there yet. 
But in this moment, I could a little bit taste the way that everything that I've been through and my whole journey and the experiences that I've had and the traumas that I've experienced and the challenges that I come up against and the failures that I, 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 I constantly am stumbling over, I can see that it's on the process to somewhere good. And I can see that even now, I'm able to find the taste of the tree, of the nishma, of the process of the spiritual realm beyond reflected in the fruit of me as I am right now. Right now. And as much as I can be aware of that and conscious of that. So, Hever, I know that I slept this way over time. We're going to end now, and I appreciate you sitting with me through the whole thing. It's a long drasha. But I think it's worth it because at the end you see it's a... Uh, it's miksha achas. You'll go back, hopefully you'll take the sources with you. Spend time with it over Shabbos. But the main thing is, like we always like to finish off, the learning is not the main thing. The main thing is putting it into practice. If we could have these ideas on our minds when we go out to shul, and when we turn around by Yikala, which is our way of going out, we don't actually go out, but we can turn around. I bless us that our hearts should erupt with the joy of a moon that's shining brilliantly with the light of the sun, that our hearts should erupt with the joy of knowing that in this moment we could already begin to taste the way in which this world ha reveals Hashem far more than it hides Him. Thank you so much for joining. L'chaim, l'chaim. Thank you. Thank you, Hever. Thank you, everybody, for joining on the Zoom. I apologize for going over time. L'chaim, l'chaim. Ashreinu, ashreinu. Ah. Ashreinu, Hevra. Thank you. Have a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos.